James Harden rumors and well, something's actually going on, which I guess is probably good for all you Portland fans, Trista, because now nobody's talking about Dame getting traded. It's all about James Harden. Yeah, that's yeah. called 3D yeah. chess. Yeah. There you go. There you go. All right, we bring on Keith Smith, Spotrack, who has – we could not have asked for a better day to have you on in a better time. And I actually want to start with a tweet that you put out, which I think is really interesting. With the James Harden picking up the option and then possibly being traded, they're going to look to move him. Uh, you brought up something I think that's really important, where this is going to be a short-term deal with whoever actually trades for Harden, right? Yeah, the, he's not extension eligible. So this is not going to be an extended trade or one of those deals where he gets traded and then extends because he only did a two-year contract with Philadelphia last offseason. That doesn't allow him to extend. So he's going to go wherever he is, play out the year, and then be an unrestricted free agent in the summer of 2024. Wow. It's obviously interesting to see how things fell apart between Harden and the Sixers given – Keith, the love affair that Daryl Morey and Harden have had for so long, right? You thought maybe James Harden and Daryl Morey were, would end their careers together. Um, so what do the Sixers do now? Like, say it is a Clippers deal. Is it just for picks? Are they rebuilding? Are they retooling? Could we see Embiid maybe be another domino down the road? Yeah, I don't think we'll see anything with Embiid. I think you kind of refocus around Embiid. You get Tyrese Maxey extended. You still have Tobias Harris there, and you you move forward with the best deal you can and try to rebalance your roster a little bit and maybe add a little bit of depth. You hopefully can turn James Harden into two, maybe even three uh, guys who can move it forward from there around, around really what's an Embiid Maxi core um, of guys who we signed long-term. And, and you put the ball in Maxi's hands more and say, hey, let's go, young fellow. This is kind of your show to run now. Keith, when you look at these potential landing spots for James Harden, if he even does end up getting moved here, where do you think the best fit at this point of his career would be? Yeah, I think the Clippers probably. It seems like they're a team that makes a lot of sense for him. They need another ball handler. Uh, Harden up until the last couple of years had been remarkably durable. He's a guy who hadn't missed much time. So hopefully, you know, he could come in and bring at least some level of stability uh, to to a team that you know their star guys miss a lot of time. So so you would hope for that. And they're they're. What was interesting when they waived Eric Gordon, it was, all right, maybe we finally found the limit to how much uh, Steve Ballmer is willing to pay. But if he's willing to take on Harden now, you know, when maybe he's just saying, hey, we're going to kind of clear out a little bit of room and then we'll take Harden on. They're obviously going to have to trade matching salary to get him, but we'll bring him in and we'll, we'll just kind of keep doing what we've been doing, which is pile up contracts for players and we'll, we'll let it all play out on the court. Given the fact that it would only be a one-year commitment that a team would have with him, and he's 33, and we've seen a little regression certainly there, what would the price actually be for a team to trade for James Harden? Yeah, this is not going to be one of those like overwhelming superstar uh, returns. I think people – you got to come away from what happened last summer with like Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and those kind of things and think more, you know, in between the Bradley Beal trade and, you know, those kind of monster uh, type trades. So what, what we'll probably see, my guess is uh, Philly will take back two, three players that are good players, rotation guys, you know, maybe a couple starters, but nobody who's really an all-star level player. Um, 
I don't know that they're going to get young talent back. I don't even know that they'll get a draft pick back. I think it's mostly going to be, hey, we're, we're taking on Harden. He doesn't want to be here. We're going to give you a couple good players, and we'll go from there. That's probably likely how this will play out, as opposed to you know, one of those ones where you come away like, man, they, they what a haul they got for James Harden. I just don't know that it's going to play out that way, given – the age concerns, the potential injury concerns, and the fact that it is, you know, could turn into a one-year rental. Walk me through what the Clippers' mindset is right now because both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are both extension eligible in the next month. Uh, obviously, I think Jerry West just went on Paul George's podcast and said, like, it's unacceptable how little you guys all play together. You can't be only playing 60 games combined. Uh, where are they at in the process of building this roster? Are they ready to rebuild or are they looking to add pieces for like one more last dance kind of thing? Yeah, the interesting thing is both George and Leonard are extension eligible or they can play it out and be free agents next summer. So what I think you're looking for with the Clippers is, can we get one year where you all play a lot and we finally see what maybe this team was envisioned to be? And I think that's likely where this is headed for them is, let's go get, whether it's James Harden or maybe another player you know becomes available by a trade that we're not, you know, we don't know anything about right now. And let's go get that guy, put him in there to fill a point guard spot. I think you're going to see, I don't want to use the word push guys to play um, or the term push guys to play, but I think you're going to see them be a little bit more of, Hey, we really took it easy this entire season. You got to the playoffs and you still weren't here, right? You, we still had injuries. I think they're going to value the regular season a little bit more this year. Try to kind of let's have one all in go after it type of year. And then we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, Keith, we also found out that Kyrie Irving is going to meet with the Suns, you know, when free agency officially begins on June 30th. Do you think it's more likely uh, that he's back in Dallas, or do you think that he does end up somewhere with Phoenix? And and also, uh, not to ask a loaded question here, why would Kevin Durant, I know they're friends and whatnot off the court, but why would he want to attach himself to Kyrie again? Do you think? <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, we'll see. You know, I, I don't know the answer to that last part. I have no, no uh, <laughs> sense of that situation. Hit, hit Kevin Durant up on Twitter. You may get an actual answer out of him. You know, he's, he's pretty good about, about replying. But I think <laughs> the Suns thing, it, this is what I do, right, is the salary cap. Like, this is what I cover yep. and run. I have no idea how this would even be a thing. You know, now. I have said repeatedly, if, if if I woke up one morning and you told me, hey, an NBA superstar took the veteran minimum to sign with a team and passed up on hundreds of million, I you wouldn't even have to give me two guesses. I'd be like, oh, where did Kyrie go? Right? That, that would be where I would go with that. But I think the thing with him is this is probably more of a, hey, Dallas, I have other options. You know, let's make sure, you know, you don't get cute with your offers to me and these kind of things. I just, it's very, very hard to envision any path for Kyrie to get to Phoenix on any kind of realistic trade um, because of just where, where they're at salary-wise already after making the Bradley Beal deal. Yeah, so at this point now, when you look at that big three, I mean, this is what we've talked about since they made that uh, Kevin Durant trade was Suns have no depth whatsoever. Now they add Beal. What type of restrictions or really just what type of movement do they even have to add to this team to make them not just a contender, but like, you know, somebody that has depth that can play out an entire season? 
Yeah, I mean, we're we're in, like, day two of them keeping DeAndre Ayton, so that means probably tomorrow it'll be that they're shopping him. <laughs> it seems like that's how that cycle spins uh, there in Phoenix. So I think, you know, we'll, we'll find out. You know, again, they might be able to turn DeAndre Ayton into one or two or three players uh, if they could to, to replenish some depth. But mostly they're down to re-signing guys and then signing players to, to the veteran minimum. I think what you're going to see them do is don't be surprised if, if we all you'll know, get news, maybe even tomorrow night when negotiations open at 6 p.m. Eastern, the Suns are signing Tory Craig to something like a $10 million contract, which everybody would be like, wow, that's a lot for Tory Craig. But what that does is that makes him a tradable salary down the line because it's not so much that it's a bad contract. Jock Landale, who is you know one of their backup centers, is a restricted free agent. They could bring him back and say, yeah, we could bring him back on the minimum, but let's bring him back at like two, you know, three, four, five million dollars. Again, remains a tradable contract and you could move them down the line. So I think that's the kind of things you're going to see with them. Then veterans, when the first couple waves of free agency go through, all the cap space is gone. Most of the exceptions have been used by contenders. They're going to look around and say, you know what? Phoenix has a really good chance to win and they have rotation roles available. Those are the two things those guys prize when they're in that position if they're chasing a ring. So, hey, why not? You know, I'll sign up, come there, I can play, you know, 15, 20 minutes a night and try to help that team win a title. So I guess let's talk about Dallas and if they do sign uh, Kyrie Irving. What is their cap situation looking like? Because their cap holds are enormous. Yeah, so what they're – they – did some maneuvering at the draft to to move around some some money they get off of uh, of um, Davis Berton's contract and brought in Rashawn Holmes that saved them a little bit of money. They can get into range again, depending on how much Kyrie Irving resigns for, and that's what I assume is going to happen is that he resigns at Dallas. If he gives them even a little bit of a break and doesn't take the full max that he can get. And that may be one where Dallas says, Hey, we'll give you an extra year on the contract. If you'll bring the overall number down a little bit and bring that first year salary down, what you could see is they could get in a range to use the, um, the non-taxpayer MLE. Now it'd be tight, but they could probably pull that off. And at that point, they're going to be in on all kinds of guys. There was reporting today that they want to meet with Bruce Brown. Um, Bruce Brown, I think, is going to have a you know, hundred meetings tomorrow. It sounds like you know, it sounds like everybody wants a meeting with Bruce Brown, including the Denver Nuggets. But those are the kind of guys you'd be looking at. Those mid-level target guys to come in, you know, play again. That's another team that can can tell a player, hey, come here for twelve million. We've got 25, maybe even 30 minutes a night available for you because we do. They do have some rotation uh, holes to fill there in Dallas. When you look at the Bucks cap situation, what do you think they end up doing here with Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez, and how creative and, and what really could they do this offseason? You know, because you look out east and it's really Boston. Uh, we'll see what Philadelphia looks like. Uh, we don't even talk about Miami, even though they were just in the finals. Um, so, what do you think Milwaukee could do here? Yeah, I think you're going to see Milwaukee kind of run it back for the most part with with their guys. I think you'll see them try to get Chris Middleton uh, add years on to he, – he declined like a $40 million player option, so add years, but bring that number down. Some, you know, may, maybe try to get him 30 to 35 million, bring that number down, but give him an extra year or so. I think they're going to do everything they can to re sign Brooke Lopez. I know there's been all kinds of rumors out there. Houston maybe wanted him in it. At one point, uh, the Lakers are supposedly in on him and all these teams. And it makes sense because he's really good. He's coming off one of the best years of his career, uh, even despite his advanced. 
on stage. But I think at the end of the day, he'll probably look around and say, you know, I play next to Giannis on a team that's really good for an organization that's been really good to me. I think he'll probably resign. And then from there, it's just about filling out the bench as best they can with, you know, probably try to resign guys like Javon Carter, Joe Ingles, bring those guys back into the fold. And they'll probably look pretty similar with a handful of moves around the edges. Um, but that's not a bad thing, right? They, I know their failure in the playoffs, and I'll call it a failure even if Giannis won't, is, you know, that that was, you know, left a sour taste in everybody's mouth, but that's still a very good basketball team. Talking to Keith Smith, BetMGM tonight. Uh, I just saw that we had uh, Chris Tapps Porzingis get introduced and seeing him wear the, the Celtics and all that. It's a little bit, uh, it's a little weird. But then again, he was a wizard for a short period of time. What, what do you think of the one, the upside and the ceiling for the Celtics team, and and two, can they afford this entire roster with some of the big deals that could be coming up down the road? Yeah, I think to answer the last part of your question first, it for them, I think for the Celtics, there's a little bit of a sense of let's let tomorrow's problems be tomorrow's problems. We're a contender right now. It's almost an NFL type of mindset where it's like, hey, we'll load up and go for it when we can. And then, you know, if we're, we're not a contender, who cares if our cap sheet's a mess? You know, a few years down the line, we'll, we'll let that all sort itself out. And I think they also have belief of, hey, if this really goes sideways on us, all these guys are still good enough that we can you know, make trades and get out from under these deals if we need to. So to that point, I think, you know, I'm not locking it in that they're not going to get rid, they're not going to resign Grant Williams. I think a lot of people have gone there. I think there's a good chance they resign him. When things get really weird for the Celtics is next year and the years beyond when Jalen Brown will likely be on a supermax, followed by Jason Tatum a year later. Kristaps Porzingis sounds like there's going to be some kind of extension. So we'll see. On the court, their big thing is what are they going to do at point guard, right? Marcus Smart, for all his flaws, was the heart and soul of that team, right? He was the guy who made a play whenever you needed a play made. He would hit the floor. He'd get the crowd fired up. He'd get everybody going. So you're in a position, if he's not there, you may have to do something different. So what you're ultimately looking at is you're going to be a different team with Kristaps Porzingis in the fold. You hope a better offensive team, a different kind of defensive team, but maybe not a bad one. He's a better defender than he gets credit for. But it's going to be be a different look in Boston for sure with bigger lineups. You'll try to maybe, you know, hurt teams a little bit more with size than playing so much perimeter base, which became a little bit of a failing as the season went along. Keith really Smith, quickly, like, always oh, good talking oh. to you. Oh, all right. Are you, squeeze one in, squeeze one in. We got like 60 really quick, seconds. Really quick, go. 60 seconds, Keith. Do you think middle of the road players still end up getting these big max contracts now that we're seeing them be traded for chips? Yeah, not middle-of-the-road guys. I think teams are going to be a little bit more conservative and save those for the best-of-the-best superstars while also pitching those superstars. Hey, if you take a little bit less, we might be able to do X, Y, and Z down the line. That That's going to be a thing that teams are going to start to pitch because of the restrictions in the new CBA on those very, very expensive teams. Nice. You're the best, Keith. Appreciate giving us the time. I know it's a busy time of year for you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me.